Welcome this morning. We are uh, so glad that you are here. And uh, this morning, as we get started, uh, let me just say again, welcome to those uh, who are visiting with us. Um, We are excited that you are here. And um, hopefully, this Easter, uh, you've come ready uh, to hear a little bit more about uh, who this Jesus is that we celebrate this morning. Uh, For those who are visiting uh, with family and excited about baptism this morning, uh, thank you so much for being here for them. Um, Thanks for making the time to be here for that special moment for them as we talk about um, what Christ has done in their life this morning. So thank you for for that. This morning I'm going to guess, and this is just a a random guess, but I think it might be a pretty accurate one, that... uh, we have in the room about three groups of people, um, and I'm not going to do the whole like raise your hand kind of thing. That's not going to be this morning, so you don't have to worry about that. But I think there's probably, if I'm uh, thinking correctly, about three groups of people. Some here uh, who are followers of Jesus Christ, who've committed your whole life, you've surrendered everything to him, and you said, I'm all in. And uh, you may have been a Christian for a long time. And so here's how I, I can kind of tell, maybe if you've, you've grown up in the, in the church and in church world, um, typically what happens at Easter in tradition is the pastor will say, he is risen, and then you would say, okay, yeah, so those in the group, you know that, right? So uh, that's a good thing, and that's fantastic, right? We've grown up with that statement. That's a, that's a beautiful thing to say, especially on Easter. And so that's one group of people. You, you know Jesus, and this is kind of a, an awesome remembrance for you this morning. But then there's also some here that know who Jesus is. They know the resurrection is important. They think that uh, it's a fine thing to believe in it, but they don't clearly maybe know all that it means, right? Uh, I've grown up in church. I I may have started a relationship with Jesus Christ, but if I were to be honest with you this morning, I don't really know, Joel, I don't really know that uh, I truly put all the weight into the resurrection per se. And then I would say there's a third group here, and some here are coming because it's what you do on Easter, and that's good, and we're glad you're here. You may have, become, you may have come because a spouse or a friend or someone at your work, an office, listens to this weird station named after a fish, and you're kind of like, I don't even understand you people. Like, why do you listen to fish music? And uh, I, it's a whole other fish music from back in the 70s, perhaps. But, but this morning, I don't know where you land this morning, but I'm going to say there's probably one, two, or three different groups of people here this morning. And I think for that third group especially, I think this morning Easter's kind of hard because the resurrection seems like a, a big leap for, for some Christians to believe, right? Uh, there's not a, maybe you believe that maybe there's not a whole lot of logic behind the Easter story, but I want to prove this morning that that, that is actually not true, that there is a lot of logic behind it. And I want to kind of just talk about these three groups of people knowing that no matter how you've come in this morning, we are excited that you're here. And no matter how you've come in this morning, here's the beautiful thing. In Luke chapter 24, which is where we're going to be this morning, um, there are people that mimic a lot of those different groups in this chapter of Luke chapter 24. If you have your Bibles, uh, if you would turn there. If you don't, that is not a problem at all. We do have Bibles out in the uh, information area. So if you do not have one, we would love to give one to you today as a free gift. But if you have them, uh, we're going to be in Luke chapter 24. Verses will be on the screen as well um, as we read through portions of this. But this morning, I'm just going to give a, a, a highlighted, um, maybe like a 50-foot view of, of Luke 24. I want to kind of highlight these three different groups of people as we talk through the Easter story 
this morning. Luke chapter 24, beginning uh, in verse 1. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. So you've got these ladies at the tomb. There's a Mary and another Mary, and some uh, gospels give another lady as well. But there are these ladies that uh, are at the tomb, and they've looked in the tomb, and Jesus is not there. And they're wondering what on earth happened because we've just been through the cross and the crucifixion. We talked about that on Good Friday, the brutality of the death that Jesus did, that he bore for us on Good Friday. And they get to the tomb at Easter and they expect, I don't know what they expect, but they get there and the tomb is actually empty. And so as they're standing there perplexed about this, they are visited by angels, and these angels uh, come on the scene, and they say, why do you seek the living among the dead? What's a great question? It says, why do you seek the living among the dead? In a graveyard, that's a weird question to ask. But here in this story, it sparks something in these ladies, because he tells them, he is not here, but he has risen. He says, remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered in the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise? And at that point, as soon as he says, do you not remember? He says, do you not remember this statement that we gave you? He says, they remembered his words. This is the ladies. They remembered his words, Jesus' words, and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. You see, I think this first group of people is found here in Luke chapter 24. And these ladies, all they needed was a remembrance. All they needed was was a small, hey, do you remember what Jesus said? And they are transported back to Jesus and his life and his words. And that is all that they need. And they leave excited. They leave ready to tell everybody about what they had just heard from these angels. And I would say for some of us this morning, that may be true for us. Like we get geeked up about Easter. I I am. I, I love Easter. It is the one time of year we get to proclaim loudly to anybody who wants to know that Jesus is the resurrected king that we serve. And he is no longer dead, but fully alive. And some of us this morning, we just need the reminder of the resurrection. We just need to remind ourselves, Jesus promised it would be this way. It is this way. And because it is this way, I get to live a brand new life. That's amazing. I get to live a brand new life in Jesus Christ because of what he did for me. Proving that he is king over the grave and over death and over sin. And because he is king over sin and death, I don't have to worry about the junk in my life that I bring to him on a regular basis because I know that it's covered at the cross. Because if you're like me, I screw up on a regular basis. If you're like me, I have a lot of hang-ups. If you're like me, I am so imperfect. Just hang out with me for a day and you'll know, this guy's a pastor? You're like, yeah, well, the bar was pretty low. Um, it's, it's, it's a normal thing for us to deal with these things, but it's a different thing to say, yes, I am, I'm working through these things, but my hope And my trust is in a king who has conquered every sin that I'll ever commit in my life, ever. From the time that I was born to the time that I die, he has it covered because of the resurrection. Isn't that a great reminder this morning as we think about the resurrection? That's all they needed was a reminder, and they were set, and they were on their way. That's one group this morning. There's another group this morning, and it's found in verses uh, 13. 
uh, and it goes all the way through from 13 to 27. And this is another story, and this is another group, and I think we may find ourselves here with these guys as well. This is actually one of my favorite stories from the book of Luke. Not only a story, a historical moment in the book of Luke. Verse 13, that very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. So this is just after the crucifixion. They are, they are not named yet. He just says two disciples. We do know that these two disciples are not part of the 12 disciples. If you've grown up in church, you maybe have heard the 12 disciples of Jesus. This is not them. These are just fringe disciples who are on the sides. And these two disciples are leaving Jerusalem and they're going to Emmaus. And this is interesting because this town of Emmaus was very difficult to find even on a map. It was kind of like a no-name town in Nowhereville, Right? And so I love the context because when we were planting here, um, when I told people where we were planting, we always said Tusla because we didn't say North Lawrence or, or Lawrence Township or Canal Fulton. We just said we want to be in Tusla, so we said Tusla. And every time we said Tusla, you got the, the same reaction from everybody. It was kind of like, huh, where is that? And you're like, oh, well, it's kind of in Ohio. It's around Canal Fulton. Oh, yeah, yeah, I totally know where that's at. They didn't know where it was at. But, but they, they kind of they just kind of went with you. you know? So it's like that when you say Tusla. I love our town, by the way. It's fantastic. I love the school system. I love everything about it. I love being part of this. And when we planted, I almost made a shirt that said Tusla, the best, you know, kept secret. But they, they stole that already. So um, it was one of those things that it's just, it was kind of one of those, where is that? And this is kind of that town. This Emmaus was kind of like a no-name town. Not too many disciples uh, were, were found here. And as they were talking to each other, it says on this road, um, as they're talking about these things that had happened, and they're talking about all the crucifixion, everything that happened over the, the time that they were there. And as they're walking, this, this would have been fantastic. I would have loved to have gone back in history to this moment and the one after this. They're walking and they're talking about the things that have just happened. And all of a sudden, Jesus slyly just kind of like maneuvers behind them and just kind of starts walking with them. And the two disciples are walking along and they're talking. And all of a sudden, there's that awkward moment. Have you ever had that like in a crowd where you know somebody's behind you, but you don't want to say anything because you may know them? But it just feels like they're like right on you and they feel like they're kind of right beside you. You don't want to say anything, so you just kind of leave it alone for a while. It, the Bible doesn't say how awkward this got, but I'm going to guess it got pretty awkward because they didn't recognize who Jesus was. There was just some dude who was walking beside him, just kind of eavesdropping on their conversation. And as he's walking beside them, they don't know that it's Jesus. As they're walking, he says to them, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? What are you talking about? What is this conversation all about? And as they're walking, they just stop, and they just stand there looking like sad and depressed at one another. And they're like, this guy doesn't, what do you mean, why are we, what? And they look at him and they say, haven't you heard the news of what's been going on in Jerusalem? It's made the front page. It'd be as if we went over to Paris and we said, What's it, what are you guys so sad about? What's the big deal? You didn't hear about Notre Dame? You didn't hear any of the story of the fire and the church and the thing? No, what, what are we talking about? What do you mean? This would be the same thing. They're, they're walking from Jerusalem. They've just had this major life-altering event. And Jesus kind of walks up and he says, what, what, do you, what, do you, what is this thing you're talking about? And so they explain to Jesus in verses 19 to 20. Uh, 526-ish, they start to explain that, that Jesus is who he said he was and that he was crucified. And, and as he was crucified, then he said he was going to rise, but it still hasn't happened yet. And they're very confused. You see, they, they understood a little bit about the resurrection, but they didn't understand fully the resurrection. They, they knew that it was maybe possible, but they really didn't know 
what to do with their lives because they thought, well, it's not happened. And so I guess we just go on with life as normal because apparently this resurrection thing was something Jesus talked about, but we're not going to maybe see it. He says, the women saw it, but you know women folk, they don't, you know, whatever, right? And they just kind of play it off. And I'm like, that's not the right reaction. Um, But they say, the the women saw, but they didn't see him. And we we, want to believe him, but we're not really sure it's true. And then verse 25, Jesus says to them, and he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And then in verse 27, Jesus talks to these two disciples specifically. And in beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. All the explanation, all the conversations, all the time they watched Jesus live life in three years of ministry, and they still didn't get it. And Jesus says, you guys still don't get it. And it's kind of a weird reaction from a stranger to say, oh, foolish ones. But they're like, okay, well, maybe this guy's got a point. And then this guy starts, they still know it's Jesus. He just starts expounding all of these scripture text proofs from the Old Testament, the prophets leading up to Jesus. And he says, Moses and the prophets, and he interpreted all the scriptures and all the things concerning himself. And after all that explanation, they still weren't convinced. They heard it all, explained by Son of God himself, and did not see it as being Jesus. How incredible would that have been? That the author of the Bible, the author of creation, the one who spoke systems and galaxies into place just by saying the words, explained to them in detail every nuance of the Bible. Some of you may be here and you've, you've, you've tried to read the Bible before. And you just stopped because it just got way too confusing. You know, I'm with you. I understand that. Imagine being with Jesus and he's just like, here's what that means. You're confused? Let me tell you what this means. This is what I meant. This is, what, this is where I was going with Moses. This is why I was 40 years and 40 days in the, or 40 years in the desert. This is, why, this is why I was this. And this is why I did this. And, and he explained piece by piece by piece. And they didn't get it. They missed it still. And so it goes on. So verse 28, so they drew near the village to which they were going and he acted as if you were going further, Jesus. But they urged Jesus strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is towards the evening, and the day is now far spent. And so he went to stay with them. And here's the piece I love. Here's the piece I would love to jump back in history and be a part of, because this is amazing. Verse 30. When he was at the table with them, imagine that. You've, you've, you've entered this house with this stranger. You've invited him in as a guest. You get down to sit, have a meal together. He sits down at your table, your dining room table with you. All the spreads out. You're like, let's just feed him something. He's probably hungry. We're hungry. And you're just having this meal. As he sit down to have this meal, he was at the table. He took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Now, let's just stop there for a second. Can you imagine that moment? You've been traveling seven miles with this guy. Conversation, conversation. You spent three years with him earlier. You don't recognize him. He sits down and has a meal, and it's over the prayer. And then we don't know what he said. It could have been that he reenacted a lot of what was happening at the Last Supper. It could have been a normal prayer he had said to these disciples numerous times. We don't know what he said, but we do know that when he sat with them, he took the bread and he blessed it and broke it 
and gave it to them. And it was at that moment that their eyes were opened. I think for some of us, when we think of the resurrection, I think we need to experience it, right? If I could just see proof, if I could just experience it like, and actually be a part of it, like if I was there and I was part of that and I maybe saw Jesus, then maybe I'd believe, but I don't know. It just seems really far-fetched in this whole resurrection thing. The disciples were right there with you. But as they are enlightened to who he is, it says they believe he says, was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? He, he, he talked about that earlier. And here he is telling them something in this prayer that gave away who he was. Their eyes are open. They recognize him. And here's my favorite part. After his eyes were open, they recognize him. There's this big aha moment. There's this like, this is Jesus. We, we figured it out. This is him. He's risen from the dead. This is great. This is amazing. The next verse is poof. The next verse is literally Jesus just disappears. Can you imagine that? He says he was eating with them, their eyes are open, and he vanished from their sight. Like, what do you do with that? Like, that's just such a Jesus move, right? I mean, the guy was just like, you understand, right? You got it? Okay, go. There's numerous times he said to his disciples he would explain something, he would just kind of walk off. <laughs> There's numerous times he'd tell them, go run the play, and they'd just kind of walk off. And you're like, no, 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 that doesn't make sense. Shouldn't this guy be the guy who, who sticks around and explains a little more? Maybe he can have dessert with us. No, he's just gone. That's amazing. And they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while we talked on the road, while he opened the scriptures to us? And they rose that same hour and turned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and those who were gathered together, saying, this is amazing. The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he had known, has known to them by the breaking of the bread. Their eyes were opened, and their hearts burned within them with the scriptures. There was an experience. Their eyes were opened. It was, it was an awesome opportunity for those who maybe were skeptical of the resurrection to have proof that this was Jesus. He is who he says he is. He does what he says he's going to do. And some of us, I feel, need to see and experience the resurrection. And you may be that way this morning. I want to just see it. I want to be experiencing. And then maybe I'll believe. The truth is, the way that the scriptures burned in the disciples' heart then can happen today. Let me say that again. The, the, the scriptures and how they were explained and, and how they made sense, as they burned in the hearts then, can happen today. I've talked to numerous people in this church and outside of this church who the light bulb kind of went on when they read a passage out of John, when they read a passage out of Corinthians, when they, when they were reminded through the Psalms of, of what God's goodness meant to them. And there was a change in their heart. And it wasn't anything that I did or said. It was just what they read and the scriptures came alive. It was an experience for them. And maybe you're here this morning and you can remember that, right? Maybe you can go back to that time when you accepted Christ for the first time. And that scripture that so stood out to you for the first time. And it made a difference in your life because you experienced it. You felt it. And maybe that's you this morning. That, that's where you're at. I just need to see and experience this resurrection and then I'll believe. And then he gives a third group, and this last third group is in 24, 36 to 49. So you've got the one group who said, I just need the remembrance, and I'll be good. And Mary and them, they turn, and they, they worship Jesus. They try and find others to, to join them at the tomb. There's a second group that they're kind of skeptical. I need to see it, experience it. They do. Jesus allows them to do that. Then there's the third group, and they kind of need a little bit more of the logic and explanation. So verse um, 36 is where we actually pick up here. As they were talking about these things... <laughs> 
This is, this is so good. As they were talking about, the, you should read your Bible because this is really good stuff. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said, peace be to you. So they're talking about these things. And again, he does another Jesus move and he just pops into their crowd. Like, poof. And he's like, ah! As Jesus has just kind of walked into the room, like nobody hasn't opened a door. He kind of just shows up and you're kind of like, hey, we're just talking about you. Um, that's kind of a weird moment. But he pops in again on them. He says, peace be you. But they were startled and frightened as they thought they saw a spirit. Yeah, I think you would. I mean, if you're talking normal people and you're talking about us in the room, imagine nobody just kind of pops into your house like that. I hope not. Nobody just kind of pops into your house like, hey, what's up? It's that normal reaction. Your normal reaction is like, oh my gosh. Like your normal reaction is go get something powerful to beat this thing with because, because that's not a normal reaction to just walk into a room. But Jesus does it again. There's not really per se a scripture that says why, but it's just kind of a unique piece. And he walks into the room and he says, peace be, t- be with you or be t- peace to you. And they were startled and frightened when they saw the spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled and why did doubts arise in your hearts? There's a lot of answers for that question, Jesus. One is probably the fact that you just pooped into the room. Uh, the other is that we just had no idea this was coming. There's probably a lot of doubts and questions. But in all reality, they should have known because he said, this was going to happen. I was going to rise. I will be with you. And then here's the beautiful thing. They think he's a ghost, correct? Let's just go logic. This is logic. They think he's a ghost. I, I, you haven't, maybe, hopefully this hasn't happened to you. I don't think that it does. But, you know, if you've tried to swing a bat at a ghost... It's going to go right through, correct? I mean, you've seen enough movies. You know how this works. You take the swing, nothing happens. It just kind of right through, right? I love Jesus and kind of some of this logic. See my hands, my feet, that is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he said, said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. Can you imagine? This ghost actually had form and substance. This was a living human being. They could touch flesh. It wasn't cold. It wasn't blue. It was normal and natural. And they could touch and feel the Savior. And he goes even further. They were disbelief and enjoy and marveling at what he said, which is a great reaction to have because it's the same reaction the ladies had at the tomb as they were disbeliefed for joy and marveling at what he said. And then he asked this. This is so cool. More logic. More logic. Have you anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of boiled bread. And don't miss 43. This is an important verse. And he took it and he ate it before them. I don't want to ruin her worship song. That'd be bad. Out of the visual. But he ate the fish and the fish didn't go. Correct? It didn't just kind of fall right through his body. And then they're like, oh, that's awkward, right? It, it, it went into his body. I know this sounds basic, but it went into his body. It stayed in his body. Not a ghost, right? That's crazy. That's logic. And he says, that's proof of who I am. Do you not understand? You can touch the flesh and blood. You marveled at that. He just takes meal and he eats it with them. They're like, oh my gosh. It stayed in. It's not like on the floor. We've got to pick up the fish and explain this weird phenomenon. It's part of who he is. And then he said, And these are the words I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the Scripture. Some here this morning need the logic of Scripture. 
And that is where he works them through the idea of the physical reenactment of who he is, or not the reenactment, but the physical nature of his body is on display here. And then he reasons with them through all the scriptures from the Moses, the prophets, the Psalms, and how each one of them must be fulfilled. And he answers those who may be here as well that need the logic of the resurrection. Some here just need the logic of the resurrection. Make it make sense to me. If you can prove it, then I'll believe it. And there's numerous proofs throughout here, throughout history. We don't have time to dive into all of them this morning, but there is logic and there is proof if you're willing to ask the questions and listen to what he's saying. One of my favorite authors says this, um, Tim Keller, he says this about the idea of logic in the resurrection. He says, I always say to my skeptical friends that even if they can't believe in the resurrection, they should want it to be true. They find it discouraging that so few people care about justice without realizing their own worldview undermines any motivation to make the world a better place. Why sacrifice for the needs of others if in the end nothing we do will make any difference? Do you hear what he's saying? He's saying to the skeptics, to the, to the agnostics, the atheists, he's like, if all we're here to do is do justice, he says, why sacrifice for the needs of others if in the end nothing we do really makes a difference? If we're all going to be worm food at the end of the day anyway, why even bother? What difference does it make? And then he says this. This is powerful. However, if the resurrection of Jesus happened, that means there's infinite hope and reason to pour ourselves out for the needs of the world. If there's a resurrection to happen, there's a life after this. If there is more to this life than just the life and breath we have here, then he says the resurrection of Jesus means that there is infinite hope and reason to pour ourselves out for the needs of the world. If you ever read 1 Corinthians 15, I would strongly suggest you to do that over uh, the spring break or Easter break that you have. I strongly suggest that you take this time because in verses 6 to 9, we read that Christ not only makes proof of himself here, but in 1 Corinthians 15, Christ appeared to more than these people in Luke 24. He appeared to more than 500 people after his death, and that is a whole lot of eyewitnesses who can give proof to his resurrection and say, indeed, he is risen. Whereas Good Friday was about following Christ to our death. Easter is following him into the life of others. And this morning, I'm excited that no matter where you land, whether you've kind of, I just need remembrance of Easter and I'm good, whether you're in the middle and you're kind of like, I'm kind of there, but I'm not really there, or whether you're on the skeptical side and you're like, I just need logic and information. If you give me the right logic, then I'll make sense. I'm glad this morning that we'll have an opportunity to you to see visually what we talk about at Easter of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. Because what we're going to do next is we're going to step into a time of of baptisms. And before I do that, I want to share with you what we mean by baptisms and the gospel and things like that. Because what you're going to see is a visual representation of lives that have been transformed. So we believe this. One, we believe that salvation is by grace and grace alone. Salvation happens when we put our faith into Jesus Christ, nothing else. When we say, God, I surrender my whole life to you. I want nothing but you. I want you to kill every sin in me, and I want to follow you wholeheartedly into your mission. Jesus steps in. He says, you are saved, and he fills us with the Holy Spirit, and we are saved at that moment. And then in Scripture, he says, if you want to follow me in obedience, obedience means that you are following me in baptism as well. 
And so baptism for us is, is not salvation. Baptism is this idea that we are saved, yes, but baptism is this outward response. It's a confession between God and them, and it's a confession between them and the entire church body saying, I'm going to live my life for Jesus Christ, and I'm going to make it public, and I want everybody to know. So in just a second, you're going to hear stories of life's transformation in the lives of these people who are being baptized. And here's what I want to challenge you with. I want you just to remember the gospel. And so here's what we're going to do before we get into the baptism. We're going to hear what the gospel is through video, so you're going to be able to hear it. And then we're going to sing what the gospel is through song. And then you're going to be able to see it lived out in the lives of those here in baptism. So this morning, check out this video as we continue on, as it explains what the gospel is, and then we'll sing, and then we'll go into baptism.